Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Revenue Accelerators. Today, I'm excited to have Jamie Hogue from ADE IT Services. Jamie is the founder and the sales leader for that organization. Jamie, welcome. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me, Deep. Really excited to chat with you today. I, I love it. Um, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, actually, yeah. So so let's start with IDE, ADE, sorry, ADE. And then I'm going to kind of pivot to, to who, who's Jamie and, and, and why are you here? <laughs> Sounds great. I apologize. I'm having some technical glitches on my side. All of a sudden, the, the machine's trying to reset on me. You can see me okay, though, and hear me okay? I can. I can see you fine. Hopefully, you're able to cancel more, that. But as long as it works, it works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did freeze for a second a little there, but um, but we're all good now. Yeah, yeah. So so tell, tell us a little bit about ADE, and um, and then we'll kind of pivot real quickly into to, to yourself and your experience in sales. Yeah, sounds great. So ADE is... Uh, I wouldn't call us a full-service IT solutions company, but we're, we're pretty close to it. Uh, we provide staffing. Uh, we also provide uh, technical solutions centered around uh, data analytics, uh, business intelligence, things of that nature, reporting. And then we also have full capacity to offshore um, on a project basis or uh, also additionally in, in a staffing model, right? So uh, multiple models we operate under. Again, there's this, the staffing model. There's true SOW and then there's also the project-based solutions. Um, our core core strength really is is around you know cloud and data migration and data analytics, but we also have capacity in other realms, application development. Uh, even realistically, we can manage folks' networks, although that most companies are doing that in-house or offshoring through a partner already. Uh, our really our growth area in the last year has been focused around uh, mo- mobile app development and predominantly for users, you know, if you had an app you wanted to build yourself, uh, that's been one of our, I guess, our core growth areas. The enterprise apps is slow, but it's going. Um, and that's kind of a little bit about AIT. We, it was founded in 2021, um, you know, from my years of experience in the IT sector, from a solutioning and staffing perspective, kind of wanted to, you know, spread my wings and start my own thing. So um, really... Awesome. Yeah, it's been a, a so, good... so prior prior to that start prior to ADE, did you were you just a W two employee? Like how, how did you how did you make that pivot that jump? Um, you know, for a long time I was a W two employee, and then I started once I, you know, I think twenty seventeen or eighteen, I started to decide I wanted to kind of go out on my own a little bit. So I started partnering with a, a friend of mine. I should say a business associate. Really, um, we've we've just grown to be really good friends over the years. Uh, and started working kind of after hours for him, moonlighting, and and then ultimately um, to go solo, I decided to take some contract roles. So I worked as a contract recruiter for a year, 
well i continued at night to get my business kind of ramped up as much as i could um but essentially sat on site as a contract recruiter for a, a software company out of colorado and that year allowed me to really pivot to my business right awesome. uh, it was a lot of work but it was a lot of fun you know that's awesome. So then after that year, then you kind of pulled the plug on contract work and you just went, you never looked back? Yeah, I've looked back from time to time, right? Things get a little scary, uh, you know, financially from time to time because, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately you're waiting on checks to come in. You're yeah. waiting on, um, you know, there's this staffing industry and solutioning, right? You know, it, some of these pro sales processes are six to nine to 12 months. Some of them, it could be a week, right? So uh, the, the the appetite for growth it's not that that isn't there the the opportunity is there it sometimes it just the things don't fall into place right so there's been times i look back but you know you you can't keep looking over your shoulder you just gotta yeah. keep going ahead right so um when i when i when i do you know miss those steady paychecks and mm -hmm. uh, my family misses those steady paychecks i hear about it but um you know, the growth has been good and sustainable. So that, that's the key, right? We, we have kind of a baseline now and it's only continuing to grow. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, so, and I, I respect the hustle. I love it. Um, with respect to getting new customers, customer acquisition, prospecting, things like that, how do you do it? Like what's your, what, what have you found that works and possibly even better yet? What have you found that does not work? Well, I can tell you, like probably most business owners, I found out a lot that doesn't work more, probably more than what does work, right? <laughs> in sales, you know, a 10% or a 2% conversion rate sometimes is good, right? Um, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing is, is that I've noticed in my career and, and throughout my life in sales is um, being genuine um, and really helping focusing on what the customer wants and needs, right? Uh, and sometimes that's being the advocate that they don't want to hear from, right? You know, yeah. um, and sometimes you lose business because of it. But I've never tried to harness and drive my business or someone else's on a false um, sense of opportunity or a false sense of growth, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think giving them what they want and what they need, sometimes, most of the time are the same, right? Um, sometimes they're not. So sometimes there's a little coaching on it. But I think the biggest thing is just being genuine and building trust with people. Um, Agreed. In sales, sometimes it's hard to do quickly, right? Uh, sometimes it comes pretty fast and naturally, right? So uh, I think that's been the biggest thing that I've really that it helped propel my growth. It's just being gen genuine who I am, um, you know, and, and not uh, being the, I hate to say it because it gives car salesmen the bad name, but being a used car salesman, right? Yeah, this yeah. Is a car for sure, right? Um, well, there's, I mean, and hopefully used car salesmen these days are, then they themselves are not used car actually like that the, they don't meet they don't fit the the stereotype of a used car salesman right like i remember that yeah. movie um oh my gosh i'm dating myself was it uh, it was in the 70s it was a pretty famous movie it had to do with uh with cars actually and the whole used car salesman aspect of it you know where selling you a used car and the bumper falls off as you drive away from the right like I'm hoping most of us and most of you guys listening are not the used, the stereotypical used car salesman. Um, so using that, that kind of moniker, that name, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not offended by it. I'm not, I don't, even if I, even if I sold cars, I don't, I'm hoping I wouldn't be offended by it because that's not me. Right. I'm right, right, right. I might be selling used cars, but I'm not a used car salesman. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it comes down to. 
Um, all right, cool. So, so what, what, what are some of the things that you're working on right now to help move sales forward? Or what did you recently learn last week or just in the last month of something that you thought would work in terms of sales that aren't working? Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought the barrier to entry through my network wouldn't be as challenging as it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the folks that I worked with and have worked with in my network over the years, you know, I've gotten some opportunities out of, you know, working through that network. Right. And I've never really was that type to ask for help. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think navigating some of the corporate purchasing controls was a little more challenging than I had remembered. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think part of that has to do with, I think I mentioned to you before that my website isn't up and running. Right. For example. Yeah. Um, you know, if purchasing can't go and validate me, right, uh, that can throw a hiccup into things, right? And it, then it's totally. so knowing when to ask and then also being prepared on the back end for the, the, the process. I, I think that's key. Yeah, that's what's, I guess, probably inhibited some of my growth right now. And one of my core focuses right now is, okay, how do I continue to mature that? And so then allow my business to start growing leads. I think part of that was fear. I'm not going to lie. I'm afraid of being too successful, right? Um, people talk about fear of failure. Failure, when you're in sales, you're used to it, right? Yeah. You're going to fail all the time. Um, but the fear of what happens when I'm successful, what happens yeah. if I've got too many customers and I can't fulfill everything that I've committed and promised to them. And, and rather than dealing with those issues when they arose and hired the right people and, and continued the growth in that capacity, I, I just kind of scaled back and didn't put my full effort forward to acquiring new business. So I, I think that, but yeah, knowing the processes and controls, especially when you're dealing with like corporate America, how to navigate some of that um, has probably been my greater challenge. So we've seen more success with small businesses, right? Because the, you know, price point and things like that, we can be competitive with them where the big companies can't, but yeah. the biggest challenge for those large corporations is again, um, and, and even the mid-sized corporations is is on the back end side. So I kind of learned a little bit there. That's interesting. Um, you know, some some of my other guests um, previously talked through mindset and how mindset probably is one of the I don't know probably the number one, number two, probably main perspectives or the sorry the the main attributes on what differentiates let's say a top seller and a mediocre seller. Mm -hmm. um, and we all have it right. And mindset is not something that. There's this notion of growth mindset versus fixed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, and, and when I'm saying this, I'm speaking from personal experience as well in terms of, I, I, I don't want the avalanche, right? So like I'm going to pace myself, but at the same time, that pace, even just the notion of like, all right, well, what is pace? Like if you're <laughs> driving, is that 10 miles an hour? Is it five miles an hour? Is it walking speed? Is it 50 miles an hour? Right. And so trying to size up your, your pace for the the avalanche or trying to mitigate the avalanche on the other side uh, candidly is something i'm struggling with myself as well and i've fallen to the same uh, what you described of i want to temper my outreach because if my outreach is wildly successful i'm screwed i'm not, i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to be able to go to my kids birthday parties i'm not going to be able to go on vacation i want to be able to, it's got to be the right pace right and I deal with that myself, but, but hearing you say it, um, it, it kind of puts an exclamation mark on the idea of, of that 
that wildly successful, it's kind of like, um, I remember when, uh, and I'm again dating myself, but I don't work out as much as I did when I was in my twenties. And at the time in my, in my twenties, I was like, um, I don't want to get, I remember saying this to one of my friends cause they would go every day. I'm like, I don't want to get too big, too fast. Mm-hmm. And the response was, dude, there are people here that work out two hours every day and they're not getting too big, too fast. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so it's like, so hearing you say that kind of reminds me of that. And it, it, that comes down to mindset that I think, um, you know, hopefully for you also, you're able to find that balance to where almost you, you put in the amount of the, you, you put in a, which I think I'm doing the math in my head as I talk, but there's a, what you get out almost a fraction, at least initially a fraction of what you put in. It's kind of that heat of activation. Like it takes a certain energy to get momentum going. And that energy to get that momentum going is a ton of energy. And then once you get that momentum going, you kind of like, you can take your foot off the pedal a little bit and cruise. I personally am not there yet. And so I'm trying to cruise before I'm cruise ready. And so like basically putting the pedal down at cruise, you know, and I'm standstill at this point, it's not really picking up very fast for me personally. And so... I hear what that's, you're saying. That's one thing I've noticed, you know, it's like, it's because as soon as I think, you know, as soon as you start to, I mean, part of it's doubt, right? Am I going to be able to handle all this? So as soon as you start to put that in your head, the the, the mindset shifts. And I think you, you, we start to see the results and things temper way down much further lower, than, much lower than we anticipate. That's the right? thing. And yeah. it becomes cyclical and you just got to break it. Right. And that's what I kind of the spot I'm in right now is breaking that. Right. Um, getting back to where I, I, always on the hunt, always moving forward and always growing. Right. And so, how, so, so how do you, have, have you solved that? Have you skinned that cat? Have you solved it? Um, cat's still alive, partially skinned. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say I have, you know, and again, it's eliminating some of the distractions outside mm-hmm. of work has, has helped. Uh, my kids are all getting older now too. Um, yeah. you know, one left to get behind the wheel and then driving kids from school and all that stuff will become easier, but nice. I've been able to navigate and, and push all those distractions aside emotionally. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe some of those distractions are still there, but I don't let them impact me and what I'm doing to build my business. Right. So, um, it's getting better. It, it's, you know, it, it, and I hate to, I hate to, I'm not one of those people that likes to chase things in small increments. Right. Um, but I recognize the small improvements in, in myself. Oftentimes I don't, I'm starting to learn how to do that because it builds yeah. again, that positive mentality. Right. Um, if you, I think that was one of the things I've, as I've matured and, and aged, we'll call it as well. Right. Is, you know, every little failure in the past or, or when things would slow down, you, you, you wouldn't measure it as successful just because you only got two thirds of what you wanted. Right. It was like, Oh, I need to have all three. Right. Yeah. Um, today I, I've learned, uh, also accept that, you know, as you're making positive progress and as things are growing, you got to reinforce that in yourself too. Um, that this is positive. These are good things. Take right? credit. Yeah. Take the credit when it's due and, and when you need it, because otherwise you, it does start to beat you down over time. So if there's, um, is there anything like one of the things I, as a common question, I ask all my guests, uh, there are lessons learned in our travels, right? So if you have, you know, some of our listeners are younger, um, what lesson have you learned in the form of a horror story 
right? That it's not a lesson that you learned from a book. It's not a lesson you learned from a manager or a mentor. It's that you unfortunately had to go through it yourself. Is there anything you could share that will help someone else not have to go through it themselves? Let me think. I, there is. There's probably a thousand stories. It's fine, right? But yes. I, I would. I mean, um, from a professional perspective, I would say the most painful thing that I've lesson that I've learned was, um, and I don't want to call it letting my head get too big, but that's really what it was, right? Um, mm-hmm. Wanting so much more that I left a great place or left a great a good thing, right? Um, yeah. And then, you know, there, there was a company I worked for in my first few years in the staffing industry. Uh, I had great leadership. You know, I, I really, me and the owner got along great. I really was, became disgruntled a little bit uh, for various reasons, right? Um, business was great. I was crushing it. The numbers were solid. I mean, really good. Um, and I, a lot of it boiled around compensation, but the biggest part was wanting to be home more with my kids at the time because I was coaching sports and stuff. And yeah, I remember the day I quit. I mean, I was actually in tears um, when I when I ended up quitting uh, because I didn't really want to quit, but I wanted to be home more. I traveled a lot for work. I was traveling to clients within the state, but I wasn't home a lot, right? Yeah. And, and then you know, one of the demands they put on me with the upcoming year and my raise was. Um, that I'd be in the office when I'm not at a client site, right? And for someone who traveled overnights a lot for clients and was out yeah. a lot of late nights with clients, it frustrated me, and that drove me to kind of jump rather than voice it with the, someone who I had a great relationship, right? So I, I didn't really let it be known what I really wanted, I guess, was probably the lesson I learned. Is you have to communicate and positively. Don't let it get to that negative spot. Uh, uh, that's such a great point. Um and it's typically not one, it's not necessarily a specifically like a sales guidance, a sales lesson, but it is, it's a life lesson, right? Like um, it's take inventory of what you got mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Take inventory of what you got because you make a, you make, you pull the trigger on something that you think is the grass is greener on the other side. Not some, may not be the case. It's a, it's like, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire kind could be. The, yeah, the, I mean, I probably would have started my own business a bit, uh, you know, uh, around the same timing as my guest, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it, it would have probably been in a much better scenario. I would have been much more primed for success and growth and ready for the challenges, right? Um, you know, from a sales perspective, similar story. I mean, realistically, um, you know, showing up unprepared for a, a, a presentation, right? Uh, and I'll give you how, and this, you know, this it fell right on my face. We had the opportunity to win a large project with a large global company. And it was essentially shifting how they, um, I, I don't know if you're, how much you're in the tech space, but in, you know, it was basically, they, it was shifting how they tested their application development. Okay. Um, you know, not anticipating what kind of questions I was going to be asked and mm-hmm. not anticipating how detrimental it might be to some of the teammates that were in that meeting. Right. So I had the leadership that was pushing for this. This is kind of what they wanted. We, the, the whole idea was come in, present, present a solution. Essentially our company may have won a lot of the opportunities that came out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and give us some options of how we change, how we test applications. Cause basically leadership was like, I don't want my architects and my leads testing, you know, yeah. it's a, 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 
you know, it's just tedious work for a, an application lead or, a, you know, it's you not, shouldn't have it's not where they're paying them. Like if they're, right. if they're, if they're yeah. spending their time testing, they're not spending their time architecting. Absolutely. And so when I came into this meeting, um, I came in there with models of how different customers of mine were doing it. Right. Yeah. And then along with it, some of my suggested how we could do that or in a hybrid capacity. Right. Um, I was not prepared. <laughs> I mean, I did all of this. But I did not understand what the pains of the other people in there were. I only understood the pains of what my immediate client, not those that impacted. Yeah. So I was getting hammered with questions, lost the room. You know, I don't know. I, I believe they never switched it, switched how they essentially did their model. Right. Uh, even to this day, I don't think they uh, have external testers. I was essentially advocating for a centralized testing, you know, uh, hub. Right. Yeah. Um, like what a test center of excellence, like one of my other customers had had. Uh, and, and that way you could also do some of it maybe in a balanced offshore approach where you're mitigating mm-hmm. some of your costs. Right. Um, but I just the questions I got from the, the people I didn't anticipate, you know, and understood the the leads and the architects didn't they, they didn't want to lose the control or the ability, I think, to go in there and see what was going on. And, um, it, it's funny because the, the person that killed me on it, we. We still communicate and, you know, talk quite often, um, nice. you know, he's gone on and somewhere else as well. And, um, but we still communicate. We became friends, you know, but at the same time, it was like, oh my God, he just crushed me. And that, that probably would have been a significant chunk of business for my organization at the time too. Yeah. Th- that's one of the things like the preparation, you know, we, that's a, it's a common category of, of being a good seller. A top seller is already right, prepared for the meeting, but, but I want to unpack kind of what that meant in this case a little bit in terms of who's the audience, right? So a lot of times people, the sales reps will tend to know who the buyer is in the room or who the most senior person is in the room. But often I think we mistake, it's not a mistake really, it's just not categorizing who's who are your friends in the room yeah, and potential, yeah. potential enemies in the room and why they might be enemies, even if they don't know you, right? So like, what's their role? Are you coming in? to put someone out of a job that happens to be in the room. And if they have clout, you're, you're, that's, you, you got to come in as a compliment, not as, a com, com, as an alternative to that guy's job, right? Um, and then, so you're 100% right. Like preparation isn't, isn't just the pitch. Preparation is the, the positioning of the pitch in context of who the audience is, yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, you know, uh, I think... Again, depending on, I think it's often lost sight of you. you just everybody that's in that room matters. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like that old adage, right? You know, I, I don't remember which you know famous billionaire said you know, they treat the janitor the same as the CEO, yep. right? Hundred uh, percent. But when you're in a meeting, you have to anticipate everybody that's in there being not a threat, but be understand what their needs are, what their wants are, and what, why this meeting's even important for that. Correct. Right. There's going to be skepticism right. by some or all of the people in the room. Hundred percent, and you got it. Like the the you know, I often have a so what slide, which is which is always like the what's in it for them. Like, what's the yep. point? All right, I've been talking for X number of minutes. Like, all right, what? Like, whatever. Why are you even here? Why why am I in this room listening to you? And so, there's got to be a slide that tends to talk to that. And the more information you have on the the roles of your audience, you can kind of cater to that slide as to like what's in it for them why are they here like so what big deal um and then you know, the better you do that slide the, the better off you'll have the outcomes coming out of those meetings 
Yeah, there's, there's no such thing as over preparation. You know, when you have a big, even when you have a small meeting, when you're targeting clients, you know, and preparation yeah. is just such a key component. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, as we come to kind of close, is there anything that you would like to to share with the listeners, or anything, uh, any call to action, or anything you got for them? You know, I, I think it's it's. I'm, I'm glad you said that call to action. I, I think that that's especially for people that are newer into sales and trying to learn how to grow as sales folks, action, 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 right? I I think that that's, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble. You can't let it impact you early in your career, especially later in your career. You can't either. Right. But um, taking action, you're going to either win or win, right? If you, if you lose, it's because if you lose, it's winning because you're learning something. Right. So I think just taking that action and sometimes, you know, we let the negative detractors that, could or did or have happened in the past um, stop us from taking action. Action's number one. You, you have to take action. And you don't want to be reckless with your action, but if you're reckless with your action, you're going to learn how to refine, right? So I, I think taking action is, is number one. You just got to kind of move that foot, keep the foot moving forward, right? Absolutely. Um, no matter how little the action actually is, um, right. you just got to make forward progress. One yard, yeah. two yards, still forward progress. Yeah, absolutely. Not like the Bills game last night. <laughs> <laughs> no um all right well jamie thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me um and for the listeners out there we'll catch you on the other side thanks again jamie i appreciate it you have a good one be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com 